Brief review for a couple of new people. This class is not about dating. This class is about Godhood. And I truly believe that you have an enemy who would like to destroy your Godhood. The difference between those who go to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom and those who go to the celestial kingdom are how many commandments? The difference between celestial people and gods is how many commandments? Family. So if you have an enemy who wants to destroy your godhood, what's his target? Take out your money? Is he attacking your money? Well, maybe. But he's really not after your money, is he? He's not after your looks or your hairline. If you have an enemy to your soul who wants to destroy your godhood, he is going to attack marriage. And his best attempt, his best success, is going to come before the match occurs. He's going to try and prevent the match from occurring. Come on in, guys. So if you have an... Go ahead, Stephen. He's after the family and the unborn. You got it. He's, got, he's after everything that has a, an effect on our godhood. So if you want to protect your godhood, understand that the attacks are coming against marriage. And if I were your enemy and wanted to destroy your marriage, I wouldn't wait until you'd been married for 30 years. I would focus now. So this class is about pitfalls. Are you listening, Levi? He's telling you to be careful. He's probably more in tune than anyone else in the room. So, so let's... Let's talk about pitfalls that we often fall into as we look for an eternal companion. Now, my introduction, I like to use this triangle of relationships. These ones are your acquaintances, people that you know. I know them. Twos are your friends. I have a group of friends. Three is this idea of friendship dating. We've been talking all semester long about friendship dating where the focus is not on the relationship, the focus is on the friendship. And pitfall number one is skipping friendship dating. The greatest experts scientifically on marriage, people who study marriage as a science, are starting to discover. One of my absolute favorites, Dr. John Gottman, has published numerous studies and pointed out that what keeps couples together is friendship. Couples stay together because they're friends. And yet we skip that when we date. If couples stay together because of friendship, shouldn't that be where it begins? With friendship. And yet, unfortunately, in our culture, we jump right to relationship dating, and it's awkward and uncomfortable. And we need to change that. We need to change, you need to change that and find a way to build a skill at friendship dating, where this date is not about are we a match. This date is about friendship. And even if we're not a match, I'm interested in you as a person. So pitfall number one was skipping friendship dating. Pitfall number two is not understanding what relationship dating is about. 
I am not trying to take romance out of dating. What I'm trying to do is put science into it. And allow me to just simply suggest that dating is like a science experiment. Are we a match? And my definition of a match is the absence of deal breakers. If there's no deal breakers, then is that couple going to stay together? So dating is the exploration of, are we deal breaker free? Are there deal breakers? I need to put ourselves in an environment where I see whether or not there are deal breakers in this relationship. Because if it's going to break, if something's going to break the deal, when should it break the deal? Soon as possible. Let's be smart enough to recognize that if something's going to break the deal, it should break it sooner than later. The longer it goes, the more painful it becomes. Pitfall number three, though, is quite often while we're doing that experiment, are we a match? Where do our hearts go? Where do our expectations go? One of the most painful things, and I've watched so many people fall into this pitfall, that is as soon as they start dating, their heart goes to marriage. Their expectation goes to marriage. And then when they discover a a deal breaker, what happens? They're devastated. Some of them quit and never try it again because it was so painful. So pitfall number three is allow the relationship time, allow the relationship to mature to see, are we a match before you let your heart go to six? Give the relationship time to advance and progress and keep your heart where it should be. So we talked about that. Pitfall number four is what I call inappropriate dating. Doing the wrong thing, not breaking the law of chastity. Don't break the law of chastity on your date, period. But that's not what I mean inappropriate. What I mean by inappropriate dating is having a four mentality when you're on a date with a one. If you're dating someone you barely know and you're checking them out to see if they're marriage material, don't be surprised if you never have another date with them. That makes it so awkward and so uncomfortable. You are inappropriately dating because you are using this mentality at this level. If you're on a date with someone you barely know, what should be the whole purpose and focus of the date? Getting to build a friendship. Take the marriage and the relationship off the table. Just get to know them. Whether you're a match or not, get to know them. And so we talked about every single level. Pitfall number four was every single level. What is appropriate dating at that level? So specifically four, if you're in a relationship and you always do the same thing every time on your date, You're missing an opportunity. If the purpose of relationship dating is to see, are we we deal breaker free? Then you should be doing things on your dates that allow you to see whether or not this relationship is deal breaker free. Money is uh, is a frequent deal breaker. If somehow money doesn't come into play on your dating, you're missing an opportunity to see each other clearly. Children should be part of dating. Hard work should be part of dating. The gospel, education should be part of dating. So you see each other in every environment that you possibly can. Because again, if it's gonna break the deal, when should it break the deal? All right, pitfall number four. Now, that, those first four are having to do with up and down. Are you at the right level? Now, the last six pitfalls have to do with answering the question, 
Are we a match? We're just going to focus right there on relationship dating. Are we a match? Pitfall number five is to know the difference between being in love and love. Did Anna think that Hans was a match? And she kept arguing, it's true love, right? It's true love. It's true love. It's meant to be. Were they a good match? They were not a good match. How many people fall in love, are infatuated with someone, are physically attracted to them, and assume that that makes a good match, only to discover that it's not? There is a major difference between being in love, the emotion, and love, which keeps marriage together. If you have built a relationship on the emotion, it's going to fade. And it may, it may cost the relationship to face. Marriage is built on love. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is I choose you even at those moments where my emotion is negative. Can you love someone you're angry at? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think I ever make God mad at me? All the time. And yet, does he stop loving me because I've done something that disappointed him? He still chooses the relationship. He doesn't walk away. That's love. So pitfall number five was knowing the difference between we're a match because we're in love and we're a match because we choose each other. I choose her. She chooses me. I love her. And that's more than being in love with her. And then last week, we talked about pitfall number six. Pitfall number six is understanding that there's one more category here. And a kind of a revolutionary thought because so many people start out dating looking for someone just like themselves. Similar interest, similar likes. That's easy to choose a restaurant, right? If you're both the same, picking an activity and a restaurant are easy. But what we talked about last week is what else might you have in common? Blind spots. If the purpose of this life, if we truly believe when God said, if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness. I give unto men weakness. So we partner with Christ and choose humility. Perhaps the best person for you isn't someone just like you, but someone who sees what you don't see. Now the problem is, who do you usually hang out with? People just like you. Who do you usually, who do you usually date? The people you hang out with. Who do you marry? the people you date. Do you see the problem? Somewhere along the line, you may need to break the chain and say, I need to let more people into my circle of influence who aren't like I am. Now that's going to lead us into today. Pitfalls seven and eight are simply not jumping in when you should. Not jumping in when you should and not jumping out when you should. 
are there people you haven't even considered because of some preconceived notion in your head? Now, that really is pitfall six, but we're going to make it a little bit more generic. Pitfall six is, well, I wouldn't date them because they don't like music. Are there people that you have eliminated as possibilities because of some preconceived idea? And you're not jumping in. You're not giving those people a chance. That's pitfall seven. We'll talk more about it, but let me introduce pitfall eight. The other one is, do you hold on too long? If there's deal breakers, when should they break the deal? Now, I think everyone in this room knows someone who ignored deal breakers. And then later it broke the deal. Painfully broke the deal, right? I've asked a lot of divorced couples, what broke the deal? And they'll tell me. They're really quick to tell me. And then I ask, when it's appropriate, a very painful question. Did you see them before you were married? Did you see hints of the deal breaker before you were married? Almost all of them say what? No. Yes. And the next word is? But. but. <laughs> there it is. I saw them, but. Now, eliminating that but is pitfall eight. Being wise enough to say, this isn't going to work. As much as I love him. Now, I'm going to ask you a soul-searching question. Can you deeply love and even be in love with someone and yet there are deal breakers that are going to break the deal? Can you love someone and not be a match? And does your loving them and wanting it to work out make those deal breakers go away? Pitfall eight is being wise enough to say, this is going to break the deal. That might be a deal breaker for some people. And to be able to say, this is going to break the deal someday. And as much as I love you, and as much as I'm in love with you, I recognize a deal breaker and I'm willing to jump out. Do you see the pitfall? Now, what's really happening in both of these situations is I'm putting one on the wrong list. What's this one? What is this arrow? The failure to jump in when I should. What have I done? I've put a preference on the deal breaker list. This is number seven. So here's pitfall seven. And I've, took, I've put a preference on the deal breaker list. Meaning what? Interpret that. I think it's a deal breaker. But really, I'm wrong. I am wrong. <laughs> That is not a deal breaker. I have told myself my whole life that that's a deal breaker. But now when it really comes to it, I realize it's not. Let me give you a couple of examples. For tall girls, most of them their whole life. I am six foot. My wife and I have tall girls. I have taught a whole bunch of tall girls. 
girls usually sprout up quicker than boys, right? And when a girl is tall and she feels uncomfortable, she says to her little heart, I don't ever want to marry a man who's shorter than I am. And girls grow up, they spend most of their childhood, maybe they don't actually say it out loud, but I have watched tall girls say what inadvertently? I don't ever want to date you because you're shorter than I am. Now, here's the thing. Yes, I did. I have asked tall girls that get to that age of 25, 26. If you had someone and you were a match in every other way, but he was shorter than you, would you break the deal? And they honestly say no. That would not break the deal. I would not break up with him if he was shorter. And yet your whole life, what have you done? Your whole life, you have pushed them out. Ow! So what is the net result? What is the problem? What's the problem with pitfall seven? Pitfall seven is I do what? I narrow my pool. I narrow my pool. I am eliminating people that are legitimate matches, but because of some preconceived notion, culture, physical handicapped, lack of being totally physically attracted to them, all of those are sevens. I can't tell you how many people I've had in this class who come to see me in a moral dilemma. I'm not forgetting. Exactly the same. She's like, I'm never going to be a guy shorter than me, and he's several inches shorter. Yeah, and they are a perfect match. Yep. And in the end, in the end, had she pushed, had she stuck to that preconceived notion, she would have eliminated someone beautifully matched for her. So let me give you another one. Let me give you one that I deal with a lot. I can't tell you the number of students who, in turmoil, write to me or call me or come to see me and say, "Brother Dunford, I'm not." as infatuated with her as I thought I would be. I had a girl dating this incredible guy and they were so mad, they were such a great match, but she just didn't find him as attractive as she always wanted to find her husband. And it was a, it was a search for her soul. And so, I said, there are a couple pitfalls I worry you might fall into. You have, this you have this idea that if I'm not utterly and totally physically attracted to someone, then it's a deal breaker. Is it a deal breaker for you? That is a common one. That is a common Pitfall seven. My son, bless his heart, was dating an amazing girl and they just hit it off. They were such friends. They became the best of friends. And he broke it off. My son broke it off. And he called me and says, I just... I'm not blown away attracted to her. 
that I thought I should be. Love her, and she's my dearest friend. But I thought there'd be magic in fireworks. And so he broke it off. A week goes by and he's miserable. And he realized she, he missed her. That she really had become one of his very best friends. And in every way, she was a match. And the problem was in his head. They are now married and about to have, about to get pregnant with their first child. And you know what? If you ask him today, are you physically in love with your wife? What would he say today? Absolutely. 100%. Attraction is a fickle thing. And quite often, we develop attraction over time. And I would really sincerely ask you to search your soul. Are there people you have eliminated as potential matches because you don't find them the most attractive people in your life? How did he get back together with her? He, he, he went and said, I was a fool. I want you back in my life. And she, thank goodness, was kind and forgiving and said, you betcha, and just waiting for him to come to his senses. And they are an incredible match. I love my daughter-in-law so much. But he almost walked away from her because of a preconceived idea that was not a deal breaker. Culture can become a deal breaker. I taught this very class. I had a girl in tears come up to me afterwards and say she was Hispanic. Her family moved here so that she could marry an American. They felt that her marrying an American would be their, their best chance at financial success. I need Her family was putting a lot of pressure on her to marry an American and established, and she just felt like that would be, their family felt like that was the best, but she was... She was dating a Hispanic who was perfect in every way. And her family was saying, you can't marry him. And she was saying, this is who I choose. And it was a battle with her own culture. Culture can become a pitfall seven. Race is often a pitfall seven. Things like music can become a pitfall seven. Sometimes we eliminate people because we have this idea in my head that it's a deal breaker. Children, Children is a legitimate deal breaker, but perhaps can become a pitfall seven. Have I described it enough that you can kind of begin to see now, I'm guessing when I described it, you were all like, well, I don't do that. But the more we talk about it, I think the more you all realize, oh, yeah, I've done that. There are people I didn't date in high school for this re reason. And now looking back, I'm ashamed. Because I now realize that that was a horrible reason not 
to date someone. Those are your pitfall sevens. You are taking a preference and you've put it on the deal breaker list and you are narrowing your pool. Open that pool. Open your mind and say, are there matches that I'm eliminating because I believe something that I shouldn't? Do I need to just keep going? You got, you, you got the idea? You can see pitfall seven? Okay, so let's talk about pitfall eight. Tell me about this one. What do you see? What is the essence of pitfall eight over there? What, is, what am I doing with pitfall eight? I'm taking a deal breaker that's a real deal breaker and I think it's a preference. There's the problem. I've put a deal breaker on the preference list. In other words, I can, that's fine. I can live with that. It won't break us up. I can let it go. I can look the other way. It doesn't bother me. It will. And it will break the deal. Now, what's the danger of eight? This one is narrowing my pool. This one is going to hurt a great deal. This one is going to be painful. At what point do you have the honest conversation with yourself and say, this is going to break the deal? Right now that I'm all caught up in the emotion and I'm in love, I'm, I'm willing to ignore those little things. But picture yourself married 10 years. And all of a sudden, one day you say, I can't do it. I can't do it. Those of you who know a couple that ignored a deal breaker, what was their reason? What was your perception was the reason they were looking the other way? So um, I know I've a little bit about this uh, in a couple classes ago, but I was the person in that couple. And my reason for looking the other way was at the time I had a lot of self-confidence. And I thought that I was never going to find anyone better. Yeah. And it was a preference that was probably should have been stronger breaker. Even sometimes today, I, I'm like, hey, maybe that should be a preference. And I have friends who are like, no, that's a freaking deal breaker. Don't shortchange yourself. Yeah. And it caused so much pain and so much hurt and took so much longer than I should have. Yeah. Steven, what do you got? What if you have kids by that time? That it's going to be more painful, right? If you've had children, it becomes even more painful. Now, I, I want to spend some time on that. I'm grateful that you brought it up because I was going to, but I can't tell you how many people are looking the other way on a deal breaker because they don't think they'll find anyone else. They lack faith. Now, what fascinates me is this. Go ahead. Uh, can I say like, a, it could be that the other person's going through like a super hard time or something. So it could be like awkward to like get out of their relationship and then you keep going. Ooh, and uh, you, l let's do that one next. I think that one's a very, very powerful one. Let me just, let, let, me, com let me separate those because I think there's a, that's a brilliant statement that I want to separate. Stephen? Is high school sweethearts okay? Uh, depends. <laughs> Would I marry someone because she was my high school sweetheart? No. 
But if there's no deal breakers, I'd marry her. Let me, let me point out, this fascinates me. In 1995, 15 prophets, seers, and revelators came up with a list of nine principles that make marriage successful. You've all done collaborative work, right? What's the hardest thing about writing a paper as a group? Agreeing on how to say it, right? Have you ever argued over a single word for hours or a sentence? What do you think it took for 15 very different thinking prophets, seers, and revelators to compile a list of nine principles that make families successful? I think this list took hours, days, years. And what's the first one? You will never have a successful marriage or family without faith. Faith in God marriage, each other, and, say it, yourself. If your attitude is, this is the best I can do, then you lack faith in a God. You're saying he didn't send the right people to earth at the right time. Now tell me what you know about a loving Heavenly Father. Why was I born when I was born and where I was born? I know he sent me to earth with many matches. It is our doctrine that there is not a match. We do not believe in predestined couples. We believe that there are lots of matches. Perhaps one of the biggest reasons for pitfall number eight is a lack of self-esteem and a lack of faith in God and in the promises he's made you. I watched my daughter go through that. She saw herself here. I saw her here. Who do people who see themselves here date? The same. She, da they da she was dating him. And all of us were looking at her saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Her mom came unglued. Then why are you teaching it, there's only one bad CV? It's, it almost ruined their relationship. Then why are you teaching there's only one match? There isn't. There's only one person I marry, but there's not one person I could marry. You see the difference? I do not believe Jennifer was the only person I could have married. I chose a wonderful match and we've been very happy. Now, is she the only person on earth with whom I was a match? I don't believe that. But my daughter was dating him and my, my wife looked at my daughter and said, what are you doing? Until we realized why. Why was my daughter dating him? Because she saw herself as her. And it wasn't until she saw herself as this that she found my son-in-law. That is a very legitimate reason for pitfall eight, lack of faith. Now, this idea of guilt keeps me in a relationship. Control. 
keeps me in relationships. Fear keeps me in relationships. Now, how many of those are in harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not one of them. How does the Lord feel about control? I mean, that they may be conferred upon us, it is true. But when we undertake to cover our sins, exercise our pride or a vain ambition, or to exercise dominion or compulsion in any degree, in any degree. Doctrine and Covenants 121. Many are called, but few are chosen. But how many people stay in a relationship out of control or guilt or obligation or whatever word you want to use? I can't leave the relationship because I feel morally bound to be in it. We're talking your godhood. And I think that's, uh, that's, at some point you need to say, at what point do I get out? Well, he'll, com- he'll commit suicide if I do. I've literally met couples where I can't leave him because he'll end his life if I leave him. There's clear deal breakers. And I'm going to be a miserable marriage partner but I can't leave him because I feel morally obligated. There are some very serious reasons why we fall into pitfall eight. Ignorance might be one of them. But my plea with you is to search your soul and ask yourself, do I have the courage to walk away when I know there are deal breakers? Now, let me introduce pitfall nine. This is next week's subject. We're going to take two weeks on it, but it's one pitfall. We could break it down into nine and ten, but I wanted to separate these into two, and then the next round we'll we'll do one. Let me introduce pitfall nine. Pitfall number nine has to do with right and wrong and morality. Pitfall number nine is has a seven version and an eight version. The seven version of pitfall number nine is, I I won't date that person because they're not perfect. They're a sinner. Let me introduce a radical thought. You're going to marry a sinner. And so will they. You are going to marry a significant sinner. And so will they. But... When do you allow change and repentance? Failing to allow someone to repent is not the gospel plan. But that's the nine version of not jumping in because they're not good enough. The nine version of not jumping out is thinking change is going to come when change won't. So do you see how we've been talking pitfalls and preferences for seven and eight, but when we talk about right and wrong, that puts it in a different category. That will be pitfall number nine. If you expect your spouse to be perfect and sin-free, you are expecting something that your spouse isn't getting. 
And that's hypocritical. Because you are not sin-free. Therefore, we have to allow repentance. So I don't want today to bleed into next. Do you see how I want to separate them? Pitfall number seven is about our preconceived notions about what is and isn't a match and being humble enough to say, you know what? I've eliminated people my whole life that I shouldn't have eliminated for culture reasons, for whatever, height reasons, for financial reasons, for skin color reasons, for hobby reasons. I've eliminated people my whole life that I shouldn't have eliminated. And now it's time to drop those preconceived notions and let some of those people into my life. I don't have to marry them if we're not a match, but I should at least try. And pitfall number eight is not jumping out when there are deal breakers. Search your soul enough to say, this is going to break the deal or make me miserable for my whole life. And when should it break the deal? Now, Stephen. I thought you could have some pride. We'll talk about pride next week. You can have, a, you can have as much pride as Jesus has. How's that? You can have as much pride as Jesus has. And we'll talk about that next week. So do you see the difference between seven and eight? And what's coming up is nine. Pitfall seven is a soul-searching question. Have you eliminated people? Are there preferences you have put on the deal-breaker list? Now, let me address one more as we close. This is going to be a hard one. Membership in the church. Oh, yeah. If you have a hard rule, I will not date and marry anyone that's not faithful in the church. You just eliminated, you just narrowed your pool. Now, understand that you are. But you would not have... It's, again, I'm just, let me just... I'm, I'm not the police here. I'm not the one that says. You have to understand that I narrowed my... Uh, what I would know is... You would not have married my stake president. His wife took a chance. He was not a member, but a good man who then became my stake president. One of the most influential stake presidents of my life. But the other side of that is I have a neighbor who married a man promising to join the church and be faithful in the temple, and they've now been married for 25 years, and he's still promising. Wow. So, again, when do you jump in? And when do you jump out? Be careful every time you lay a rule down, because there may be people that are matches that you're eliminating. And that's the juggle. Do you see that challenge? Yeah. I, I was just going to say that my dad is not a member and my mom is still chosen. Yeah. <clears throat> now, and, and again, I can say over here I've got my stake president whose wife took a chance on him. <clears throat> but over here I've got my neighbor who married a man who promised to be faithful in the gospel and we're going on 25 years and I still don't ever see him at church. 
and she is raising her children in the gospel alone. So when do you jump in? When do you jump out? When is it a preference? When is it a deal breaker? Be careful not to put preferences on deal breaker lists because you're narrowing your pool. Be careful not to put deal breakers on preference lists because you're setting yourself up for a very painful experience. I've seen that a lot in the relationships that I've had in the past and stuff. And it's just my biggest thing was following the spirit because I saw those deal breakers and I had those preferences and that the spirit was telling me and I didn't listen. Yeah. And it took a lot longer than it should have to jump out or to jump in to those kind of things. Yep. So the spirit is like the key. To now, after we get through the 10 pitfalls, the next portion of this course is God's help. You are not alone in this process. This is not something you have to do alone. So how does he help? But there are rules that a lot of us misunderstand. He's not going to choose for you. And so that's exactly where we're going to go is divine help in the process will be our next set of classes. Stephen? Levi had the story about that. About what? <laughs> I don't know what to say. If I remember, I'll let you know. Okay. Helpful tonight to see kind of pitfall. So pitfall six is very similar in that sometimes I eliminated people because they're not like me. That was a very specific I wanted to address separately. They're not like me, therefore I don't consider them a match, but maybe they might be the best match because maybe they'll help you see what you don't see. Pitfall seven is a more generic, I have eliminated people for preconceived notions. Height, race, religion, finances, economics, culture, Autism, physical handicaps. I would plead with you to check your heart and examine, are you eliminating people that you shouldn't? And then if you get into that relationship and you identify deal breakers, at what point as you're pushing that hand cart and you have no strength and you see a spot in the sand and say, I'm going to go that far. I'm going to go that far. Do you do that with your relationship and say, there has to be a potential exit door if there are deal breakers. Am I honest enough with myself? I've examined them. They're not preferences. They are deal breakers. I need to get out. May we have the courage to not fall into seven and eight. Don't avoid jumping in and don't stay too long and avoid jumping out when you should. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.